There's been a vinyl revival in recent years that have old and young music lovers dusting off their old record players for the unpolished sound of a 33. We're going to be talking about why people are returning to what was considered a dead media. Stay with us. This is Inquire. For the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. All right, now joining me is vinyl collector Sam Offord, who actually is from Beaverdam, and I've known Sam uh, for quite a long time. Uh, so I want, I want to make, I want to be transparent as far as our relationship goes. And and one thing that Sam and I have always had in common are our vinyl albums. Now, Sam, you you uh, are the extreme version uh, <laughs> as far as collecting vinyl goes. I've seen your collection, and, it, and it's in impressive and and large and as large impressive it's also diverse i'm i'm a lot more i guess particular in, in, in what right. i purchase and what i collect and so that's one of one of the things i'm interested in talking to you about but first i want to kind of get some background from you as far as you know how long and when did you start collecting well i've always you know records were part of my growing up time period now myself i preferred cassettes at the time in the 1980s but uh, records were always around the house and middle school about 89 that i really developed the passion for the older music that i i'm still into today and that's kind of when i started right there actually seriously collecting so what happened to your old cassette collection do you still have them i have a few of the ones that were kind of very significant to me like they were gifts from somebody or you know something like that but for the most part i kept all my beatles cassettes but uh the rest of my kind of uh and they're coming back now is that right yeah well i don't know supposedly i don't know that i would be one of those uh going back to collect uh cassettes even though i probably still have some you know stored away uh somewhere but this resurgence in in vinyl i mean how long you say you've been collecting since the late 80s, early 90s. About 25, 30 years, basically. Uh, seriously, uh, just a few years after that, high school. Uh, did you ever get into, of course, you know, vinyl as far as new vinyl uh, st- stopped being produced, at least at least on a mass production scale? What do you, what do you say, like early to mid-90s, something like that, whenever CDs started to take over? Uh, very early 90s. You yeah. could still catch a couple. Some of my most valuable albums were made in the late mid to late 90s because it was barely pressed at that time. What are what are those albums you're talking about there? Uh, there was one, actually. Michael Jackson's History, for example, came out in 1995, and it's uh, it ranges, but uh, usually a couple hundred dollars. I don't have anything that's really worth thousands or anything, but, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I actually bought that. It had been sitting on the shelf collecting dust when I did buy it, and uh, then I found out, hey, you know, it's worth a couple hundred bucks. So, Yeah, and that's the thing is when, you know, like some of your grunge music uh, came out, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, right. uh, Nirvana, I, if they put out vinyl, it was very limited. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I have not found any, like, original pressings. Now, you'll go... Uh, you know, online or in a record store, you know, they have all the the newer released, remastered stuff uh, that they're putting out. I have mixed emotions on that. Yeah, and, and I want to get into that. Uh, so some of those albums are, are really rare uh, just because, you know, they came around, those guys came out, you know, when CDs were real popular. So I remember having Pearl Jam's, you know, 10 album, which, you know, which is still a phenomenal album. But so some of those albums 
are being released or so, on vinyl now, and so you're having to pay, you know, thirty dollars or more now for those albums. And right. and so there are some bands, you know, obviously that came out CD era or digital era when you started being able to download, and so now they're now re-releasing some of their stuff on vinyl, and then of course some of the newer. Uh, bands are now getting back into releasing their stuff on vinyl. And that's pretty neat. And some of the bands I've noticed, and this is really technical when you get into, uh, you know, they have 180-gram vinyl, which is the heavier albums, literally. And uh, those are the ones that cost more. When you go down and you have like 120-gram, that knocks off about $10 off the price right there. And I noticed some of the newer bands are just putting out the album, and it's you know not too extravagantly priced. Now, how many albums... Do you own? Counting 45s and, and things like that, I think my whole collection is uh, about 2,500. About 2,000 of actual, you know, full-length albums. Whenever you're out collecting, what are, you, what are you looking for whenever you go out to a record store, a used record store? What are you looking for? Are you, are you looking for, obviously, something um, that you don't have? Are you looking for something that's rare? Are you looking for something that's unique? I mean, wh- what are you drawn to? Well, after collecting for so long, one of the things I'm looking for are like first pressings. First, it's like the first of edition of uh, edition of a book. They're rare. They're worth more money. Not that I want to sell them. I just think that you know you almost feel there's a history. For instance, there's a black. I would love to have Black Sabbath's first album. It's about a hundred dollars, but there's a history there because it's was pressed in England, unlike mine, which was probably sold at Walmart. You know, back in the '80s. You know, repressing. That was the other question I had. So, are you buying uh, or collecting more for the investment or just for for your own self? Oh, just for myself. I don't intend to, you know, ever sell any of these. You know, like the Michael Jackson. It's interesting to see what it's worth, and uh, just just uh, it adds to the story. And you figure out, oh, okay, well, it's this price because of, and uh, it all. I also look for unique stuff, stuff that I never knew existed. Listeners might not know this, but uh, you, the album that caught your eye that I bought was uh, one of Pope John Paul II, and you thought, gee, what? <laughs> I didn't even know it existed, you know? And, that's the, and that was the thing that whenever I saw your collection, when I talk about the diverse part, I mean, so you're buying it because of its uniqueness sometimes? Uh, In some instances. Uh, I didn't set out to collect Pope albums, but it was unique. And the other acts, you know, I genuinely like, like Kiss or the Beatles or whatever the case may be. And some of them just have unique things about them. So what is it about vinyl that attracts you? You know, some people will say, you know, the, the, the vinyl albums, you know, have this warmth about them that you can't get on a, you know, a downloaded, uh, overproduced you know, you know, something singular from, download. Yeah. Well, that's the thing now with the uh, rec- some of the records that are being remastered and put on vinyl. You can't tell much of a difference. Some of them are digitally put onto vinyl, and that's you know analog was what vinyl originally was. So it's I, I've got an album, and they said, well, we actually just pressed this from a CD. You know, literally just because of you know demand or whatever. So I don't. The sound isn't really it for me. Part of it's memories, because it is something I grew up with, and, uh, you know, it was personal to me. It was a bigger deal to put a record on a turntable than just slip a cassette in the cassette player or and read the very tiny print of the liner notes and things like that. You know, you, that was kind of lost when records went by the wayside originally. Now, do you have any albums that you know that are 
just rare and and that you were you came across and it's like wow I can't believe I found this uh that's yeah and until you asked me I I, I could have told you what they were but uh yes yeah, so I'm and like I said the 90s albums I'm surprised at how cheap I've gotten some of those and uh, I knew and some I've picked up probably because I knew there was some value to them because they were released in the early to late 90s. But most every most everything I have are artists that I was familiar with to begin with. Oh, uh, there's another thing I'll, I'll tell you. When you buy an album, and if you're not exactly sure, they didn't start putting barcodes on records until the 1980s. Right. I got a copy of Dark Side from a friend, Dark Side of the Moon, and it had, I thought, oh, neat. And I saw it had a barcode. I thought, oh, okay. Now, and one thing... Whenever you get into buying vinyl that I've noticed in a lot of these used record places, they'll have uh, maybe two or three of the same album, and they may be two two or three different price tags on them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that is just based solely on the cover, you know, the jacket that it's in, more so than the record itself. I mean, the record could be pristine, but then, you know, the jacket that it's in, you you know, it may be ripped, it may be faded, tattered, and it could... uh, you know, knock several dollars off the price, even though the album's in great shape. So sometimes I kind of find that, you know, a little odd that, you know, basing more the price on the jacket than they are the actual thing you're going to be listening to. Uh, I tell you, in my years of uh, collecting, I found, and maybe it's because they were so popular, some of the worst shape uh, albums in the worst shape were Simon and Garfunkel albums. I'm like, what were these guys doing? Uh, you know, I'd expect this out of the Grateful Dead, but uh, for Simon and Garfunkel to be just scratched up and, and just played to death, I mean, good for them, but those are some of the roughest albums I've come across. Now, I've got another album out here. That, this was not mine. This was uh, Jacob Dick. He brought this in to me. He wanted me to show you this. Mm-hmm. And he actually, uh, he said, if you, don't have it in, if you don't have this in your collection, he said he would be willing to sell it to you. Sesame Street Fever. And... Uh, you know, this is something that I, I did not realize uh, how many kind of children's albums were out there. And these were little, you know, seven, eight-year-olds that were using record players back at the time. And I'm very impressed with this. I have uh, I do not have this uh, particular record. But I'll tell you what, I hats off to Jim Henson and everybody involved because they did some very clever stuff with their songs. And, uh, you know, they got it. Yeah, Robin Gibb actually sings on that. Oh, he does. See, I didn't even know that, so I've learned something. If you from yeah, if that. you look at the back there, yeah, he's listed as one of the singers. Yeah, and, and it's he's singing with Bert and Ernie, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm surprised uh, Robin Gibb wasn't on Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album at the time because he was everywhere. And that's the thing is, you mentioned that Rumors album. Mm. Uh, when you talk about okay, if you're going to be a collector, that is one of the albums that that they say every collector should have in their uh, in their collection. Are there other albums uh, like that that people say, you know, and I think you, you mentioned like Bob Dylan. You know, Bob Dylan has uh, his first album. People may say, you know, that's one of those iconic albums every collector needs. Uh, and some albums I bought cause, uh, because of that, I thought, obviously, uh, Rumors, I like the album anyway, I love it. and But I was like, I definitely you know, need this record. and uh, Probably Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. Uh, That was when Sgt. Pepper, for example, and uh, that's just a a fascinating album, top to bottom. Maybe I'm most fascinated with that. Uh, The cover is part of it, and just the music inside, it certainly lives up to what you see on the cover. Yeah, there's there's albums like that. Um, 
There's maybe some Rolling Stones. I've got Rolling, a Rolling Stones. Yeah, I brought a Rolling Stones album in here. And this I can is, tell this, from the back. And this is one of the great album covers of all time. Yeah, designed by Andy Warhol. Yeah, and uh, sometimes you'll get a different pressing of an album, and it's just without the zipper, for example. And yeah, this one's like, got an actual uh, zipper on it, mm-hmm. which, <laughs> which this is something that you can't get anywhere else, you know. Right. And this is some of the gimmicks they would do uh, with albums. That I appreciate so much. I mean, yeah, it's a little crass, but it it's still part of it. How could you not buy it? Yeah. You know? There are some girls album. That's one of my favorites. And when it, now this is another thing. When it originally came out, it was a die cut cover, and uh, Lucille Ball's picture was on the cover. Well, she didn't like her picture being on there without permission, so they had to pull that pretty soon after it was released and put out a regular cover. So that's you know sometimes it's controversy that you know, makes an album worth a little more because it was had such a limited... I remember the, I guess it was, was it Poison's first album? With they, the Tongue. With yeah. the Tongue, yeah. I, I have that one, actually. Yeah, and so that one was actually pulled after a while, then they took the tongue off, and so if you have that one, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's obviously more collectible, probably worth a little bit more, and and so, so you get those controversial albums... Beatles had a controversial album. Yes, and I, I've seen it in person. The I don't Meat album? Uh, well, yeah, uh, the uh, Butcher Cover Butcher album. Cover, yeah. Yesterday and today. Uh, but what's interesting about that is sometimes uh, there's like three different versions. You get the one that was originally released, everybody was outraged about. And then they took some of those albums and pasted the new cover over it. And some of those are worth more than the original. And then you had some that tried to steam that off. Uh, the sticker over the original album. So there's various states of that record or in, in various degrees of shape that are worth, uh, that command different money, uh, different dollars. I've seen 500 on uh, the one that I actually ran across. I, I haven't got it yet, but that's that's one of my goals, I think, in, in record collecting is to have that. Yeah, and I don't know, and, I, and like I said, I'm I'm particular whenever it comes to, to vinyl albums. Like I would never own that Sesame Street album. Mm. Uh but uh, my wheelhouse, 1980s, mm-hmm. early 90s, mid 90s, and and so a lot of my collection will have, uh, like I have, you know, White Snake, you know, right, right, uh, a lot of Kiss stuff. I'm trying to think. Oftentimes, I'll run into people, and if they sell their personal collection, they think their Elvis and Beatles albums are worth hundreds of dollars. But really, in reality, millions and millions of people bought those, so it's yeah. not like they're rare. I found that. Some of the other albums that are very rare are albums by artists that really never made a name for themselves. And once the store couldn't sell them, they were like, sent them back to the company. They were like, Get, you know, we don't want these. And they destroyed them. So the few that are out there were the ones people bought. And those command high prices. I couldn't name you any of the people because probably nobody's heard of them. What kind of advice, if you're going to be a collector, mm-hmm. uh, or you're starting about collecting, I have this, you know, because more and more people... Uh, are getting getting back into vinyl. So if you're thinking about, you might have a few albums sitting around. Maybe you inherited from your parents or your grandparents. Mm-hmm. What what advice would you give people whenever they're looking uh, to get back into collecting vinyl? Well, you know, it depends what they're into. Some want to buy something because you know of the cover. Some want to buy it because they want to resell it and they think it'll be you know they're sitting on a gold mine. Uh, I wouldn't expect to put my kids through college for my record collection necessarily, but it could happen. Uh, first pressings are really important. Uh, they mean a lot to me, and I, I think it's like having the first edition of a book, you know, and uh, there's that history there. So that's one thing that I would definitely look for is to find a 
first pressing of an album. Uh, it's got a different sound to it. Sometimes they're a little worn, but that's part of the charm, too. Yes. They have a warm sound, but also it's the crackles and the pops that make it sound like a record, not a CD. And I've, I've bought several like that. Uh, sometimes it's the only ones you could find, and uh, sometimes you do want a clean copy just because, uh, you know, why not? And I, I've had multiple versions of the same album, too. All right, that's all I got. Do you have, you have any other thoughts, Sam? Uh, no, I just, uh, it's really an uh, interesting thing to get into, and it's, uh, you, I think you gain appreciation as you go on. Some might buy it because it's the hip thing to do, but, you know, you're certainly getting into a whole other world with collecting records. All right, very good. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Sam Offord for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, its mobile app, and iTunes, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire.